desiring that he would not delay to come to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the, windows, all the widows stood by weeping and showing the coats and garments which darkness made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed. And turning him to the body and said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and the widows, presented her alive. And it was known throughout all of Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Amen. May the Lord add a blessing Amen. to his Amen. word. <coughs> this morning I'm going to be coming there, and, and the name of this will be entitled, A Mother's Prayer. Amen. Heavenly Father, it is again, Father God, that you have allowed each and every one of us here to awake, Father God. And we don't take that for granted, but Father God, we just want to come and give you glory, honor, and praise, Father God. Lord, I just ask that you hide me behind your glory, Father God. Lord God, I just ask that what you have put into me that I pour out, Father God. And it is in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, that I do pray. Amen. 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 Everything changes. The world that we live in is forever changing. There, with technology, you get an iPhone. Once you get that iPhone, you get used to it. Then the new iPhone comes out. Then you have to get used to that as well. Even music changes. And I can't tell you that I'm necessarily happy about that. Because I know that gospel music is always, should always talk about the Lord. But, you know, every now and then, every now and then, I listen to R&B. Don't, you know, don't get mad at me because I still like, like to, you know, I still like to, to listen to other things. And some of the songs that I listen to on the radio now, they just don't have that same oomph that they used to have. And then even if they do have that, the rhythm, then when you listen to the words, the words are about who has this and who has that and who has the most of what they have. So that has changed. You know, not only has music changed, but even clothing has changed. My husband and I, we went uh, looking for, he wanted, some, he wanted some new suits, and we went to the men's clothing store. And when we got there, I was looking, I was looking, and I didn't see anything that I liked, neither did he, but he really didn't want to speak up. Because <laughs> you know, now what they do is they make the thin, the thin lapels. And I like the, the, the standard size lapels. And then I asked about, well, what about the pants? Because you know, I like pants with pleats in them for the men. And they said, well, they don't make those anymore, not too, not too often. And then I said, well, what about the cuffs? He said, well, because the legs are so thin, they don't make, if the man had told me, he said, they don't make that anymore. If he had told me, nobody likes that anymore. If he had told me that one more time, I was going to holler. <laughs> so they just don't make things the way that they used to make them. And what I did is, is, is I had my mind flashed back to people's junior high school when we were taking home ec class. And one of the things that we were supposed to learn at home ec was how to sew. <laughs> and I had to laugh at myself. I thought to myself, maybe had I paid more attention in class, I could do some things myself. And then that brought me to this scripture because Darkest was a seamstress. Darkest, that's what she did. She sewed clothes. She sewed the garments and coats. And in Acts 6, that's when Darkest, there was a dispute. And the dispute was among the Grecian and the Jewish widows. And the thing that they were disputing about was that the Grecian widows felt that they were treating the Jewish widows better than they were treating the Grecian widows. Yeah. Now, most of us in here are 
African Americans. We were probably born right here in the United States. So I think that we can kind of relate to the Grecians because they were treated with disparity. They were not given what they thought that they should live, that they should have. And we in the United States of America, we are not necessarily given what we should have because we are born and we are African-Americans. We were born right here in America and we still are not getting as much as our counterparts, namely uh, Caucasians. Now I'm not prejudiced, I'm just calling it, I'm just calling that spade, no, 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 nothing intended there, but I'm just calling the spade a spade. We are not getting exactly what we're intending. There is some disparity in things that are given to us. And then not only is there disparity in things that were given to us, but then there is the injustice as the distribution of justice that we receive because they treat us worse when we are given justice than they do other people. But I didn't come here this morning to talk about the plight of the African-Americans this morning, but I think that because of what the Grecians were going through, we can all relate to that. So Darkus was a, a seamstress, and she did the things that she did. Not only did she do them to make a living, but then she was a godly woman. She was a godly woman, and she made a living doing what she did, but she also was a giver. And what she did is she gave back to those, to those widows because she did not show favoritism because she gave to both the Greeks and the Jewish widows all the same. So Darkest, unfortunately, you know what happened? Darkest died. It tells us in our text that Darkest got sick and died. And this was a blow to the widows because they trusted, not only did they trust Darkest, but they believed in Darkus and they that was dark they were Darkus was their friend. But when Darkus died, what happened is they sent for Peter because Peter was around because he had just been he had just did a miracle when he had helped a sick man up in Lydia. And now they said, well send for Peter because at that time Peter had stepped into his position as God had asked him to do and he said, on this rock Peter will I build my church. And Peter took his job, he took it seriously. So what he was doing is he was, he was the head of the church, and he was like the pastor. And what they did is they went and they called for the pastor. And when he came, when Peter came, they, they told Peter that Darkus is sick. Well, I can understand why they called for Peter. They called for Peter because, as I said, he was like the pastor of the church. And you know, when things happen in your life, you need to call for the pastor of the church. But, <laughs> hey, y'all, every little thing to happen in your life. You don't have to call the pastor. You don't have to call the pastor. If you get a hangnail, you don't have to call the pastor. And sometimes, if, you get, if your toe is broken, if your baby toe is broken, guess what, the pastor's gonna know something when he sees you lipping. You don't have to call the pastor for everything. Now maybe I look at this a little differently because I am a pastor's wife. But, and, and I am not saying this on, uh, Pastor Ventus? Don't, I'm not saying this on his behalf, I'm just saying that every little thing that happens, you don't have to call the pastor. Guess what? When Jesus hung on the cross, the veil was ripped, and now you have access into prayer. So you can pray for yourself, and you can get, your prayers can go up. Your prayers, if you have that relationship with Jesus, they are answered just like Pastor Venice, just like my husband, just like any other pastor. So I just wanted to say that. I didn't come over here to start no trouble. I just wanted, I just wanted to say that. <laughs> 
So they called for, so call for Peter. And why they were calling for Peter? Because Joppa was about 11 miles from where they were. And they were preparing Dorcas's body. And what they were doing, see, back then, in the ancient days, uh, burial was very important. And what they did is they washed her body, and then they... They put spices on it. They put the spices on it so that it wouldn't it would not stink. Now, if you remember, this is the same thing that they did with Jesus. When Jesus when Jesus hung on the cross, they took him down and then they washed his body and they were preparing spices. But remember what happened? They were in, they were interrupted because it was the Sabbath and they had to take they could not do any work on the Sabbath. That's the reason why it was kind of an interruption. So after the Sabbath passed, then the women, the Marys, they went to anoint the body. But here, they did this to darkness because obviously this was not a Sabbath day. The darkness died. So they prepared her body. And when they prepared her body, they, like I said, a, a burial was a very important thing to them. As a matter of fact, it was so important because this is one of the ways that they showed respect for the deceitful. Because what they did is they said, well, they had mourners. They had, actually, they had professional mourners. And I remember <laughs> in good times, y'all remember good times, Wanda the crier. <laughs> I guess Wanda was what we would call a professional mourner, except the difference is they really meant it when they mourned. And so the widows were there, and, and one of the reasons why, actually, the burial also signified, it, 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 it was symbolic of their love and their reverence for the one that had died, because this was an ultimate act of kindness. And the reason why it was an ultimate act of kindness is because this was the kindness that they showed. And think about it. They, wasn't, they weren't expecting anything in return because she had died. So they weren't expecting accolades from somebody for what they had done. So this was the ultimate show of, of, of kindness in the burial. But when Peter got there, <coughs> they took him to the upper room. And they took him to the upper room where darkness was laid. And darkness was there. And then it says that the widows were around, and they, again, they were there because darkness was their friend, and they had lost one that was someone that they could trust, someone they could rely on, and they were sad. And they show, it says that they began to show Peter all of the works, that, all of the garments that darkness had done. So they began to show him the works that she did. And when they showed him the works, they were, unhappy, they were sad. But works can do a lot of things. Works are good. But y'all, works cannot save you. Right. Works cannot save you. The only thing that can save you is faith in Jesus Christ. Faith alone. It is faith in Jesus Christ. Now remember, Darkness was a seamstress. And if we go back to the Garden of Eden and uh, Genesis 3 and 7, it says that this is after Adam and Eve had sinned. And they knew that they had sinned. And then when Jesus, when God went to them in the garden, and he said, well, what are you doing? And they had, and he saw that they had sold, they had sold fig leaves. They sold fig leaves because they had to cover themselves. But guess what? See, what God gave them, it was man-made. They had bodies that were man-made. But then they tried to take something that God made, and they tried to use their own hands to sew the fig, fig leaves. See, there are just some things that your hands cannot do that God's hands can. So... Good works cannot save you. The only thing that can save you is the faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah. Now, in Galatians and in Romans, Paul tells us that only, salva only salvation can be had by faith and faith alone. Now, there is some controversy and there is some confliction because some scholars and theologians and even some today say that, wait a minute, but Paul says that only faith can save you, faith in Jesus Christ. But then over in James, it says that 
Your works can save you. Well, there is no contradiction because all of it is God's word. God's word is inspired. In other words, that means that God's word is breathed on. And if God's word is breathed on, then that says that the Holy Spirit is the one that did the breathing on the word. So what he gave to Paul, he also gave to James. And when he gave it to them, and remember, the word is inspired, not necessarily the writer. Because see, this is the reason why I say that, is because I feel a certain way today, but I don't feel exactly the same way today as I did yesterday. And most likely tomorrow I will feel even different. So see, if it was just left upon the writers, then they could write anything. On a good day, you write some good stuff. Have you ever been mad with your spouse? <laughs> and on a bad day, you, but on a good day, he's all, it's all good. But then, see, God could not leave that up in the, in the, in the hands of man. So he, inspired, so he inspired the word. And when he inspired the word, that's the reason why I know that there can be no contradiction in what James and what, what, James and what Paul said, because all of God's word is inspired. His word interprets the word. Now, this is it. When Paul was talking about faith, he was talking about faith as far as a means to salvation. You can only have be saved by faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. That's sola fide, faith and faith alone. Now, when James was talking about faith, James was talking about faith, and basically he was talking about more of a sanctification because he was talking about because now that you have been saved, your, your works are a product of your salvation. So what James is just expounding upon what James, what James is just expounding upon what Paul had said. So there is no contradiction right. in God's word right. because God is always going to make sure that he can. And then not only can he do this, he making sure God is not a man that he can lie. Yeah. So even any, anytime somebody tells you that it's a contradiction, you may not know exactly why it is that, but just know for yourself that I know that if it's in God's word, right. that it has to be the truth. Yes, sir. So I believe that, Jesus, that Paul was talking about their salvation by faith and faith alone. But then they took Peter to the upper room. <clears throat> when they took Peter to the upper room, he looked down at Darkness's body. When he looked at Darkness's body, I believe that he had a flashback. <laughs> and he flashed back to the times when he was with Jesus because Darkness was, dead, was laying there dead. And I believe that he flashed back to when he was with Jesus and when Jesus raised the widow's son from Nan. I believe that his mind went back to when Jesus raised Lazarus. I believe that his mind flashed back to the time that Jairus' daughter was raised. Now you have to remember that the people there, they didn't believe, they didn't, they, I don't believe that they called Peter thinking that Peter was gonna raise darkness. Why? Because they had prepared her, they had fully prepared her for burial. And I'm not even for certain whether Peter was thinking this, but when he looked down at her body, I believe that those flashbacks came back and he said, you know what? I know that I have power because God has anointed me with power to heal the sick. But now here is my opportunity to use that power that God has given me to raise darkness from the dead. And so then the text tells us that he told them to clear the room. He cleared the room and I believe that he cleared the room because see, there are just some prayers. 
There's just some prayers that you have to be all by yourself. You got to get into your quiet place with the Lord and speak to him and talk to him and let him know that it's you. It's me. It's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. And so he put them out. And when he put them out, I believe that he thought to himself, okay, here I go, Lord. But you know, Peter knew that he was got to pray a mother's prayer. A mother's prayer is that kind of prayer where you pray more for the person that you're praying for than you care about yourself. A mother's prayer is that kind of prayer that when your son and daughter lives to go to school or to work, that you have to pray for them and ask the Lord to watch over them because the sniper's bullet, you don't know when the next sniper's bullet is going to be there. You don't know what's going to happen. You know there's danger seen and unseen out there, so you have to ask the Lord to watch over your child. That's a mother's prayer. A mother's prayer is when your child is in love with someone, you know that that love is not reciprocated, but they just head over heels in love with this man or with that woman, and you know that they're not right for them, and that's a mother's prayer because you say, Lord, there's nothing that I can do to, to say to them or her, but they're bound and determined. So, Lord, I just ask that you watch them. I just ask that you keep them. A mother's prayer is one of those prayers that you have to ask, and you say, oh, Lord, help me. Help me. It's sometimes a mother's prayer even when you got to say, Lord, help me. Stop me from killing this child because she's smelling herself, and she thinks that she can talk to me any old kind of way. She thinks she can talk back to me. That's a mother's prayer. A mother's prayer is that kind of prayer that you realize that is only by God. Without you, Lord, I can't do it. So Peter knew that he had to send up a mother's prayer. But Peter knew something about prayer. And the reason I know Peter knew something about prayer is because Peter walked with the prayer warrior. He walked with the prayer master. He walked with Jesus Christ himself. Now in Matthew 26 and 40, Peter was actually scolded, scolded about prayer. This is when Jesus had gone, and he knew that he was going to go because Jesus often departed and went to talk to the Father by himself. Yeah. One more thing about a mother's prayer. See, when Jesus went, he went and he prayed, and he said, Father, see, a mother's prayer is always going to be directed to the Father. A mother's prayer is always directed to the Father because whenever Jesus prayed, he always said, Father, Father, my Father, when we pray, we got to make sure that we pray to the one that we know is going to help us. So when Jesus, so when Peter was with Jesus, Jesus had went to pray, and he asked the disciples to stay there with him and wait. And when Jesus, when Jesus got back down to where they were, he found them asleep. And then he turned to Peter, he turned to Peter specifically, and he said, could you not wait? just watch and pray one hour. So I know that Peter knew about prayer. Another thing that I know that Peter knew about prayer is Peter knew that prayer has to be mixed with faith. See, a prayer that is not mixed with faith is like a candle without a match. It won't get you anything. And the reason I know that Peter knew about faithful prayer, again, who was Peter with? He was with Jesus. Bernie Mac said, who you with? Peter said, I'm with Jesus. There's no one better to, to be with. But in Luke 22, 31 and 32, Peter, Jesus told Peter, Simon, Simon. Now you know when Jesus called your name the first time, you should listen, but when he calls your name the second time, <laughs> You know you better perk your ears up and listen to what he's saying. But he said, 
Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. And I think back to, this was like a Job type of, of experience. Remember in Job where God had talked to Job? Well, here, Peter, Satan asked Peter, or should I say Satan asked God about Peter. I want to sift him as wheat. And God said, no, 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 wait a minute. And so then what I like, this is what I like about this, because it says, then Jesus prayed. He prayed for Peter. And when he prayed for Peter, I like what he prayed. He said, Peter, Lord, I ask that Peter's faith, his faith, not fail him. So see, I know that Peter knew about faithful prayer. How? Because there's no one better to pray for you than God. There's no one better to pray for you than the mediator himself. See, Jesus has a, a main line. He is the mediator between us and the Father. And whenever he goes to the Father on your behalf, you know that thing is covered. So he said, I pray that your faith fail you not. So when Jesus prayed that Peter's faith not fail him, I know that Peter's faith was good. But see, the same thing he prays for us. It's not that he just prayed for Peter's, Peter's faith. He prays for our faith too. And our faith will not fail us, but... We have to walk in that faith. We have to walk in the power that God has given us. A lot of us, we don't, we fail in our, we fail in the things that we do, number one, because we don't do them. And then we also fail because we fall short. And guess what? When we see the finish line, but when we say, Lord, it's too hard, it's too hard. And we stop before we get to the finish line. But because God, Jesus has prayed for us, we know that our faith does not have to fail us. He has given us all a measure of faith. And that measure of faith that he has given us, he's given every one of us whatever faith we need in order to do the things that he has told us to do. And it is up to us to walk in that thing. So I know that Peter had the faith. I know that he had the faith, he had the power, he had everything that he needed to raise darkness from the dead. Well, how do I know this? Because then it says that Peter turned to darkness. And he said, Tabitha, says he turned to a body. He said, Tabitha. Now, note, he turned to the body, but he didn't talk to the body. He turned to the body, but he talked to Tabitha because he was talking to the, the inner man. He was talking to the character. That's where the spirit resides. The spirit resides into our spirit man, and spirit knows spirit. So when darkness heard that, when Tabitha heard that, she got up. She got up. So I know that Peter's faith did not fail because the proof is in Darkus' raising. Peter got up. Darkus got up because Peter said, now, Tabitha, get up. Get up. There's still work for you to do. There's still some things that you need to do. There's some widows here that are crying right now because they think that you have gone on. But you have some work that you need to do. God is telling us today that there's some work that needs to be done. There's still things that you and I need to do. Even if you think, I remember God, Satan used to mess with my mind. And he says, but you're too old to do this. You're too old. As long as God God has given me breath, and as long as I can do some things, I'm not too old. You're not too old. You're not too young. You're not too big. You're not too... Whatever it is, God can do it because it is he that has given you the assignment, and God will never give you anything that, you can not, that he has not given you power to do. So when he turned to darkest, he said, Tabitha, get up. And she got up. And then it says that when she was alive, he then presented her to the widows and the saints. Amen. So there were two groups of people that were there. There were the saved and the unsaved because the saints obviously were the saved. Yeah. But literally, the word widow means empty. Yeah. So the widows were empty. Mm. Then we all know that a widow is someone who has lost their husband. Yeah. Your husband is your covering. So that means that the widows had no covering. So when he called the saints 
and the widows. He was calling those that knew him and those that did not. And what we see here is we see God's providence in work. Because see, what happened is when Darkness died, the ones that loved her, the widows, they were around her body. And because God had orchestrated it for them to be there. Because see, they had to be there in order to see the power that Peter had, the power to raise her up. See, this way, no doubt, they had already heard about the man called Jesus. No doubt, because remember, they hung out with Darkness. And Darkness was one, she was a godly woman. So I'm quite sure that they had heard her talk about Jesus, but that wasn't quite good enough for them. See, sometimes when we hang out with people and they still are unsaved, that ain't quite good enough for them. But guess what? See, in our works, now, this is where your works, but see, now, remember, darkness was saved. And if you're saved, you, your works can show other people because this is what happened. When the widows were there because they were with darkness, and they saw the power that Peter had to raise her from the dead. So what God did is he orchestrated for them to be there because other than that, they would not have been there. And this is they saw with their own eyes. So they saw with their own eyes. They believed in their own hearts. And nobody could talk them out of that because it's like, you know what, I ain't telling you what someone said. I'm not telling you what someone told me. I'm telling you what I saw for myself. And then the scripture goes on to say that many believed. And some of the ones that believed were those widows that were there. <coughs> so Peter brought life to a dead situation. He brought life back to Dorcas. And Dorcas was raised up. And when she was raised up, now restoration is when you are restored back to what you had. But then God's way in working in restoration is that he gives you more <laughs> than you had at first. And what Dorcas had, she was still a seamstress. And she was still a godly woman. But see, now she had a testimony. She had a testimony that nobody could refute. Because don't you know it's one thing about your testimony. Nobody can refute your testimony. They can tell you about their testimony. And they can tell you about what happened to their brother. They can tell you what happened to their mama. But one thing they cannot, they, one thing they cannot tell you about is your own testimony. So Darkness had a testimony. Her testimony is, I don't know. I don't know who. I don't know what he prayed. I don't know how he prayed. And I don't even know the words he prayed. I don't even know how long I was dead. But what I do know is that now that which was dead is now alive. And we have the same testimony. I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what my mama prayed, but I do know that my mama prayed some mama's prayers. Because what I do know is that now I stand. And I stand right here today. And I'm here to tell somebody that Jesus is alive. He's alive and he's sitting on the right hand side of the Father. I'm alive. I'm right here. I can stand to tell you. See I told you earlier about my knees and about my ankles, but there was some time that my knees and my ankles were the least of my problems. Because there were some times in my life that I just didn't know, Lord. Lord, what you doing with me? Oh, Father, I don't understand why this, my body is, is doing the things that I don't want it to do. But here I stand, and I can stand in the name of Jesus because that I know that it's only Jesus that has raised me. I know that Jesus is the one that brought me from a mighty, from a mighty long way. I stand right now, and I can tell you that Jesus is powerful. In the same way he worked in my life, he can work in your life. I stand because I know that if I fall, and there are many times that I fall. But guess what? Jesus will raise me back up. And when he raises me back up, I can lean on him. I can lean. And if, if I fall back down again, he is there to pick me up. Because Jesus is my all and my all. I said that I don't like the music. It is not something that I particularly care for. And even, but guess what? I'm going to a place. And that place that I'm going to, I don't have to worry about the music. Because all I will hear is holy, holy, holy. 
holy because we're going to be praising God all day and we're going to be singing, singing glory, glory to the Lord. And when I get there, I don't have to worry about those clothes because the clothes that I wear, I don't have to worry about darkness making them. I don't have to go worry about going to the store and buying them because the clothes that I would wear is that long white robe. I remember Deacon Horner used to sing a song and he said, when I get home, I'm going to put on my long white robe and I'm going to put on my long white robe. Now, I don't know whether I'm going to be walking around heaven all day, but I tell you what, I know that I'm there. I'm going to be there and I'm going to be in the presence of the Lord because I know that I am saved. See that salvation that Paul talked about, I know that I have it. And then the sanctification that James talked about, I'm working in it. I'm working in it right now because God is here and he is doing some marvelous and wonderful things and not only my life, but in everybody's life. And if we love the Lord, then we're going to do what he told us to do. Oh, we may fall, but we can get up and we know that Jesus is alive because the same way they see a dead thing can't raise something dead so we know that Jesus is alive and because Jesus is alive we can say that he's all the way alive he's all the way alive he's all the way alive and you just but have to believe that he is